episode of Weird is the New Black Show. This is episode 29. Definitely a milestone getting to 30. You know, feeling good, feeling great. Um, I'm here with my guest, Christian Jones. Now, before we get into, uh, you know, allowing his brother to get his, uh, get his words out, right? Last week after I did my podcast with the homie Chief on, Chief Fizzer, you know, I said, yo, I'm looking for dope guests in the city or people who've have great personalities, great creatives. Who's out there? So the homie, uh, who goes by the name uh, Smarty, a.k.a. OG Smuts, out here, uh, <laughs> he said, yo, man, Christian Jones. I said, cool, all right. I say, filmmaker in the bio on your Twitter handle. I said, okay, cool, what's going on? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I see When the Smoke Clears is your production company. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I said, okay, cool, all right. Then I saw Print Shop. I said, Print Shop? Now that film, I was seeing the film everywhere, like being like retweeted, being shared by mutual cats. Cause like, look, I knew um, I knew Paulie Sue. I had him yeah. on the show before. Yeah, yeah. I had Grande on the show before. He's actually performing in the movie doing the scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then there's uh, I know a, a Fry via the homie Troy. Yeah, put me on and all that. Yeah. So I said, cool. I said, okay. All these different names all, that I all, know. All family. All family. All family in the film. I'm gonna get into that in a second because I watched it uh, last night. I finished it at 4 a.m. in the morning, right? Yeah. I was up, just going rehashing, going over the material that you got, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna check this out. Check this out." Then I get into, you know, watching the film and seeing what you did before. Because also with your company, move this thing closer. Also with your company, you worked on one of Cameron's videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was. First of all, how was that experience, man? Yo, so Cam is actually, like, he's not the person that you would think he would be. He's, like, super polite, super kind. You know what I'm saying? I thought he'd be cracking jokes. He does do that. He's very funny. He He's the exact person that you think he would be, but at the same time, like, you, like when you meet OGs, like, in the rap game or, like, when you meet, like, people who have real success, you're always floored by how, you know, uh, how mannerable they are, like how courteous, just like how they just got good energy. They don't seem to be bothered by a lot of what you think, you know, other other rappers today, they they want to fly and they want to let you know who they are. Cam's just like, yo, man, thank you. You know, thank you for working on this for me. Thank you for taking the time out. I'm like, bro, you can't run, dog. I'll do this for you. Shoot a shooting, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, you know. That was that was a crazy experience, and actually, I didn't direct that one. My um my business partner Gil, mm-hmm. he um so usually I direct, he produces, and we flip roles because that's his favorite rapper. He's from the Bronx, so um you know that was like a milestone. And I we actually wrote on a treatment for him two years before, and I told him the same thing. I was like, yo, if we get the cam video, you know, you got to direct it. Mm-hmm. So it came across the table again. And I was like, bro, you know, you got to direct this one. You know what I'm saying so. That was that was a crazy experience just to see, you know, a real life dream of his, you know, come true, like right before our eyes. That was fire, you know, him talking to Cam, us taking pictures with him, you know, what I'm saying directing Cam, seeing the video turn out the way it did, like it turned out really well, and we it was a it was a three day turnaround. Like they gave us the video and we had three days to produce it. So, Word. yeah, definitely was some crazy shit. Uh, like I said, that was that was mostly Gil. Like I just, he told me what he wanted. Mm-hmm. 
and I just brought it all together for him. You know what I'm saying? So I took the back seat on that one, but it was definitely a fun experience for sure. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Cause I remember when it first came on like a while, months ago. Yeah. I watched it real because the sample to the song, I was like, word? Right? Because yeah, that's what yeah, you yeah. caught me off guard the first time and I watched it real, like it was clean. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love. He's talking about his life on that song too. Yes, he was. Yeah. You know, I looked up to the, the sign said Linux. So the Pledge of Allegiance, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. getting it in. So here's the interesting thing for me when it came down to, to you. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, when it comes down to this game, I got to be on my Nardwar tip a little bit, right? Hey, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm not wearing the hat and I'm not the human server yet. You know, yeah, I'm just yeah. out here just doing the podcast thing. Yeah. So when I, you know, of course, I checked out what your group has done in the past. Mm-hmm. A lot of things went through my mind because when it came down to print shop, mm-hmm. I was curious, are you from Philly or are you from New York? I'm, f- I'm actually from Atlanta. From I'm from Atlanta. Atlanta. But I live in New York. I live in I live in Harlem, and we lived in Philly for three months while we were writing Prince Child. Now that's the thing I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Of all the cities, you you know you're from Atlanta. You know, yeah. live in, currently live in Harlem. Yeah. Well, what was it about Philly that you were like, yo, I gotta make Prince Shop here? Um, it's 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 a couple of different reasons. So like, I prior to Prince Shop ever coming to be, I have been traveling back and forth from New York to Philly to help one of my homies on like, he was trying to start um, like a a online zine and we were shooting videos for it and I would come back and he would come to New York sometimes and I would shoot Mm -hmm. or I would go to Philly and I was just hanging out. I I just started to just see like, yo, this is a pretty cool city. It has its own scene like, and it's it's more low key than, than New York at times, you know, so. I'm a very low-key person, so I can appreciate that. So, you know, I, I started to familiarize myself with the city. And then my co-writer, he and I were talking about ideas for films. And he just brought up, um, and what if we did a film about a guy who did Rest in Peace t-shirts? And I'm like, oh, all right, that sounds like a crazy idea. You know, like, just right off the bat, like, a bunch of, like, concepts came into my mind. And then I told him, like, yo, we if we do a film like this, we have to set it in a time that feels like the past for us. So we have to set it in 2001. And I was like, I mean, we could do, like, the popular thing, go Atlanta, New York. But Philly seemed right just because, like, there are parts of North Philly that, like, really look like they're still in 2001. And then just, like... Philly itself has just its own texture, like just the way the buildings look here, just the way like the people dress here, the slang, like it's very like, it's its own thing, it's its own world. So it wouldn't be too crazy to to carve out, you know, um, I guess a a film world here. And, And then on top of that, like, I think a lot of the things that the characters are going through in the film, you know, are. It, they're they're easily evident in a city like Philadelphia, so that's why Philadelphia feels like a character in the film as well, just because, you know, it. I guess it all reverberates, so from the characters to the city, it just felt like the just the right place. But I didn't know everything that I know about Philly now, you mm-hmm. know, back then. So, Gil, 
told me and Sean, he said, yo, if you if if we're gonna do this, we just have to move to Philly. And I was like, I'm down, fuck it. Word. You know, and then Sean was like, I'm down too. And we were both surprised that Sean was like, Yeah, let's do it. So we all agreed on it. I just so happened to be moving out of my apartment. So like I packed up all I packed up all my stuff and just moved to Philly. They, you know, uh were still staying in New York. But I was I think I was the first one to like fully commit and we we had like a three bedroom on twenty uh, first and Cecil. You know what I'm saying? So you know, we was we was like really like in the place where we wanted to make the you film. You really would be for sure. Hey, for you sure. know, yeah. For <laughs> yeah, for like, but I mean, it was love. You know, it wasn't. Mm. It was not. It was not nothing crazy. Like everybody embraced us. Like when we mm. told them what we wanted to make the film about, you know, people just wanted to figure out how to help us. Mm. You know, so and that's just another. That's I think Philly definitely. It's definitely becoming a different city now, even in the, like the last three years from when I made the film. Yeah, like <laughs> it's changed a lot, but at the time it felt like, man, like a story needs to be told about this city. You know what I'm saying? Like this, mm-hmm. this city is 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 crazy. Like it's, it seems like it's forgotten a little bit, but now it's weird because that was right at the Creed too, you know. So people mm-hmm. were just starting to notice the city as well through that, but. Yeah, they told us, they were like, you guys are the biggest production, you know, that we've had since Creed. And I was just like, that's crazy because we're a short film. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. It just all worked out. Like, Philly, it was meant to be. We had to tell it here. I'll tell you. uh, And tell me if I'm talking too much, bro. Oh, no, bro, you got it. Because I think the beautiful thing where I'm getting from what you're talking about in terms of the city is representation yeah and you're putting forth putting on for the city yeah via these characters and these locations now mm-hmm. um, before I get into the actual film and we can discuss the premise and all that I thoroughly enjoyed watching the video it was like the behind the scenes it was like I guess um, I've been being in Philadelphia it was like part one. Oh yeah yeah so we filmed everything on VHS and we had we actually have more footage we just have to cut it together, mm-hmm. just release it. Like that might be something that we continue to do in the future. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything, like rehearsals, just people would come by the house too. Like so, we'd be freestyling. Like Word. so, you know, cause like we we kind of wrote in some scenes because it said in two thousand and one we wanted to have like some rap battle scenes. Mm-hmm. We we ended up scrapping them because the guy who was supposed to do the rap battle he forgot his lines. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you. I seen you practicing your your freestyle this whole time, man. Yeah. He's like, nah, man, I can't do it. So I was like, all right, cool, it's cool. Word. But we'd be practicing with each other, like we be free because we would be watching a bunch of old freestyle videos in the crib. So mm-hmm. like, it just became infectious. Those were classics back then. Yeah, 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 definitely. We we would all of our locations, basically us being on set. We have all of that. Us, we we drove all the way out to like where is where do we drove like an hour out of the city to pick up like an old MacBook, like not an old MacBook but an old um, Macintosh computer. So the computer that you see like in the film, mm-hmm. like and it's only in there for like three shots, which is like. 
but still it was part of the aesthetic. Yeah, 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 definitely. So just but that trip we, we filmed that. Like anything that we had going on, we just shot it on VHS and we have like a bunch of tapes of it. That's dope, because I remember like even like within there's a scene, you know, speaking of things that are like uh, of the time, the one character was walking around with the blue Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was from of that time. It was yeah, like a Game yeah. Boy Color, right? Yeah, it was a Game Boy Color. Yep, yeah, yep, 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 yep. So I peeped everything that you were, that you were doing because also um, throughout the film, you were not only, like, you didn't have to say, oh, we're in 2001. You were doing certain things to elude that yeah. you were in that time period, like yeah. referencing um, AI, yeah. you know, asking if he'll be the MVP this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sitting there, I was like, okay, so this is a period piece. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's how I figured it out. That's dope. Now, okay, before, and again, before we get into the premise, I, I have to know, how did you link up with all these familiar faces? I know I knew, like, uh, you know, Paulie Sue, Grande, you know, Fry, you know, the different cats. Like, how were you able to network with these individuals and get them in the film? Um, so, um, Grande, and you, I don't know if you know Warf from the neighborhood. He's a rapper from Atlanta okay. um, by way of Brooklyn. And basically... Uh, him and Grande had a good working relationship, and I actually met Grande a long time ago. Like when I I used to go to Howard, um, my my freshman and sophomore year, I went there. Then I transferred to NYU, but I met Grande like way back then, like when I was like 19, mm-hmm. and he was doing a show somewhere in DC, and we actually like fell out of contact, and then. Through Grande, I mean through Grande and War working with each other, we linked back up, and um, I shot a video for the two of them, and from there like it turned into me meeting Izzle. I guess from there like Izzle was supposed to be in the film, and he was like, "Nah, you should get Fry," and I already I already knew Sue through you know just knowing all of them, mm-hmm. so it was it's just like I don't know they just like family really you know what I'm saying? I think I met Fry. I knew of Fry, but I think I met him like maybe the day that we started shooting because I don't think he rehearsed. I think he just like jumped right into the role, which is kind of crazy. We just sent him the script. He was good, bro. Yeah, he's effortless, effortless. I think he might have came the day before and we went over. Um, We rehearsed a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah, you got it. And then he came. He was and he was real serious about it too. Like shout out to Fry, Fry. He, I definitely would love to work with him again, man. He's a great guy. Definitely, definitely a great guy. But stepped right in, killed it. And I think that's what I and I liked about um, like some of the characters in the film. Yeah. Like though, you can tell it may be like their first time on camera. Yeah. It just felt very, very organic. Mm-hmm. You know, very organic. Even the cat, a character from New York, right? So that's Wara. Word. I was just about to say, like, Wara's in the film, too. Word. He's New York. He's New York, yeah, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I knew like, he had to be a New York character. Because, like, in Philly, nobody's really rocking the, uh, like, the do-rag with uh, a bandana. Uh, I mean, the uh, headband yeah, around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told them, to, like, you know, I didn't want, um... I didn't want people to to like be tied down to like any like sort of uniform. Like I was saying, I was like, yo, here are the items. Like these are the clothes we definitely want y'all to wear, but like freak it to your own style. Cause like everybody, 
like you just said, everybody got their own style. Like in 2001, like everybody's not like we're all wearing the big clothes and the jerseys and yes. the tees, but we're not all doing it the same. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad you picked up on that, man. That was yeah, because I because I was seeing it. It's like before I even said like he even said his name. I looked at him. I was like, his style is different. He he's not from here. Yeah. But I can, but I know that you know, especially back then you had cats who was coming in and out of town. Yeah, different different squads, different, doing different things here. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. said that was a cool thing. Yeah. So, but actually, um, Guara, he was actually supposed to be another character, and his character, um, I mean, the guy who's supposed to play New York's role, he dropped out the day before we went on set, Damn. and I just so happened to be flying Guara in for like a role, like a smaller role, because I was like, I really want you in this film, bro, and it just so happened that. He was there, so he read he read his his role like maybe like the day before as well. Stepped right in, crushed it. Like I don't know, a lot of crazy stuff happened. <laughs> but go ahead, I'm sorry. But no, no, it's all good because the funny thing about him is that like yo, and he he did a good job in his character too because yeah. I couldn't stand him, yo. I said <laughs> that's how I know if you're if you're like if you're good at your like. At your, at your job as an actor, yeah, and your job is to be an asshole, yeah, and you, and you are that on film. I said, yeah, you're doing a good job because I can't stand you, man. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially at this one. There's one line in the film, like in like the uh, I guess someone's basement and playing pool. Yeah, there's the joke like, yo, you're a Lakers fan living in Philly. Yeah, what? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And those are conversations we would have back then. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Even until yeah. now, like if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan and you're in Philly, like yo, you. Man, we should have did the Cowboys because I I know y'all got that real V. Oh Eagles yeah, it's, in the Cowboys. seriously, it's like the same thing with um, Philly and like in the Lakers. It's definitely with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Yeah. same situation. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about uh, the premise of the film. Mm-hmm. Now before we do that, here's the funny thing. So yesterday I'm going um I had to get a new phone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we were just discussing the whole phone business before yeah, we got on here. I got to get a new phone. It's coming. It's on the way. It's on the way. You know what I mean? So I, I got the uh, I was getting waiting for my phone. I had a young lady ask, could she help me? I said, now nah, my phone's fine now because, you know, whatever. Then I was like, you know, I changed my mind. So this cat approached me, right, mm-hmm. at the Apple store of the block. I said, you still sold me. I'm, I'm an actor. Yeah, I'm doing my thing. I did a couple theater productions here and there. I said, dope. I said, I'm actually, uh, it's an Apple podcast. Whatever you got anything you want to talk about, as an actor, I had you on the show. I said, I'm actually talking to a filmmaker tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is a Christian Jones print shop. Print shop? Yo, I auditioned for that film, man. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. It is. And I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, that's how I know the universe, how it works. It works its way for a reason. That's wow. (laughs) Yeah. He was like, I auditioned for that film, man. I said, what? I said, wow, that's, that's some dope shit, man. You know what I mean? Got my phone. I moseyed on out of there, but I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in mind for the interview today. Right? That's that's mind blowing, bro. Yo, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, man. So I seen different people talk about the film, you know, like over time. So I got a chance to actually sit down and watch it. You know, I was like, it was late at night last night. I'm like, the world is quiet. I can focus on the film. Mm-hmm. And it's 30 minutes long. So you like, if you guys like have some time out there, you look up Print Shop, you know, you can you can check it out. Mm-hmm. Now the cat, the lead character, Ish, short for Ishmael. Yeah, uh, he is a fashion designer mm-hmm. who is kind of caught up into some street business. 
Yeah. Via one of his homies. Yeah, he's not a street guy, but. He had to do what he had to do for a friend of his. Yeah. Now, you can tell by his demeanor. Mm-hmm. Now, the actor that you got to play Ishmael. Like David. David. He did a good job. Yeah. And I can definitely see him doing more like film work down the line. I actually think, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, dog. Go ahead. What do you think? I, I think that David, David told us that he likes theater more. And what? he actually wants to be a theater director. So he wants to direct plays. I don't I don't know if he's gonna continue acting uh, on film. But if he's in that if he still stays in that world of like this theater or yeah. whatever it is, no matter what director or actor, that's where he belongs. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because he definitely. has that vibe. He's definitely he amazing. Yeah, he is. He is. And so like for me, like getting into this world on film and seeing these characters and seeing it, seeing the storyline, mm-hmm. I wanted to know what were your some of your film influences mm-hmm. or did you have any going into this yeah well i have specific influences for the film okay so we talked about menace to society we talked about paid in full a lot um we talked about boys in the hood well just just those films that are just talking about like the coming to age process of like a young guy coming from the hood you know like feeling like you're suffocated like you want to get out but obviously well to me like the film takes on like some of those some of those roles i mean or or some of those films like it it takes like little bits and pieces but it doesn't look like those films like it, i feel like it's a lot more artsy we tried to shy away from like doing certain things on camera just because i guess i don't i i don't really remember why but you know it was a it was a big discussion of like why we were were just like we would like for this to like look i guess more of like an artistic piece rather than just being like brutal because i think that that's what we see a lot like when we see those kinds of films like oh it's a film in the hood like Mm -hmm. let's just talk about how brutal it is for a guy you know not to say that his circumstances weren't brutal but we just didn't want to like show every aspect of it on screen you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so like I would say that this might be like the PG-13 version of those movies or something like that like it, but it's not watered down you know like there are real discussions being had like there are real lines that like get to you you know my homie told me my homie's from Southside Chicago he sent me a text he was like yo bro I watched Print Shop I cried dog you know what I'm saying and I was like man if you if you cry bro because you know I know what you've been through you know what I'm saying if you cry, then it's an authentic film because you can really relate mm-hmm. to the things that we're trying to get across. So, but my my key influences as a director, I I like Terrence Malick, John Singleton, Spike Lee, the Hughes brothers. I really enjoy P.T. Anderson's films. Like I, I think that he can he can't make a bad film. But those are. Those are um, people that I like watch a lot of. Um, also, Jeffrey Fletcher, the guy who wrote, uh, he wrote Precious. He his short film is like my favorite short film ever. Like I have to watch it before I start writing anything. What's the name of that short film? It's called Magic Markers. If you're ever in New York and you want to check it out, I'll take you to the NYU Digital Library, and you know we can go watch it. It's it's a crazy film. It's about. Um, a couple they communicate telepathically, but then they do it so much that they forget how to speak to each other. 
So it's like an experimental film. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. It's like a black experimental film. It's fire. What well, kind of sounds like social media these days? You know, where mm. we talk to each other via this, but in terms of like going out in public, mm. it's like, uh, yeah. And you keep walking. You know what yeah. I mean? Just, yeah. But I have to check that out. Yeah. Now, it comes down to the film. What was the message that you wanted, wanted to get across to the audience? I don't know if there's like, because there are a lot of messages and there are a lot of social themes that we we're trying to fit into the film. But I, I think like, I just wanted to relate to the idea of like, uh, there are a lot of Ishmaels out there. And for me, like, I feel like I'm an Ishmael, like, and it's important to recognize that, like, we have a responsibility to 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 lend a helping hand, you know, to those people. And then also, I think that I wanted to, to show, like, that by setting it in 2001, I wanted to show that this is a thing that's been going on, like, in our communities for a long time. Like, the whole idea of, like, rest in peace, such and such, free my homie. You know what I'm saying? Just the t-shirt culture in general, it, it kind of just shows like that everything that we see like on social media today isn't like a, a new thing. You know, like we see all the videos about police brutality, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Or we hear people talk about like, you know, save Chicago. But it's it's like this, this has been going on for like a, a long time. It's not nothing new. And uh, another thing that I, I, I talk to people about I guess more recently is that like we do things like this like we're wearing somebody's you know face on our on a t-shirt and it's like that's honestly like a trauma that like we kind of just have to you know deal with just being black people in America you know and nobody nobody talks about it so I, I tell people all the time like I remember like my classmates would be on t-shirts you know like mm. you know what I'm saying going to school or, you know, somebody wearing their cousin on a shirt. Somebody saying, you know, like, yeah, my homie is locked. Da, 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 da. And we say it on Twitter all the time. You know, it's it's kind of like a silent rebellion or like a silent commemoration. Like, remember me, you know. Uh, or, you know, remember my homie. He's, he's in prison right now. But, you know, we're still thinking about you. Like, we still love you. So, and it's definitely, like... On the film, you see it gets tricky. Like, there's a duality to it. Like, there's two sides, you know. But, like, both sides are definitely um, equally, maybe not, I don't know if you can say equally, but both sides are are harm. You know, you lose somebody, sometimes somebody goes to jail. Neither one of those is a good outcome, you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know if I'm trying to, like, talk about any solutions or anything, but just to show that the the problem is it's been present for a long time. It's not anything new. Mm-hmm. So I encourage all my all my white brothers and sisters to check out Print Shop. Word. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's for everybody getting an idea about what happens in the city. Because what you mentioned it reminded me of something. Because I guess a day or two ago, I'm like riding through um, from like West Philly, like deep West Philly, like mm-hmm. Parkside Avenue, going mm-hmm. back towards University City. Yeah, I'm going past a few houses and have like murals. Of like on the, the side houses in Philly is crazy, bro. They're everywhere. Everywhere, like there's a corner store that was right around uh, my old neighborhood, and it's in the side of his convenience store was this guy's face, like boom, from 1977 to like 19, like might have been like 2003 or whatever. 
but his face is there. You got faces here, you got everything. I remember growing up, go out the city, people have like, yo, rest in peace, my main man, like paid on, paid on at the rear view, not the rear view right there, the window at the, uh, the, the back window on their cars, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting, because I, I watched a movie, a Disney movie, I ain't ashamed of it. I'll talk about it right now. Go we, ahead, go Coco. ahead. Yeah. And how on the Mexican Day of the Dead, they honor their ancestors or people who passed before them with like their pictures on altars. Mm. And, on the candles, right? Yeah, the candles, yeah. yeah. And the premise of the movie was like, the, the, you know, besides him trying to play music and find his, his grandfather that he never met, right? Yeah. Like people could only travel over the bridge if their picture was on the altar. Mm. So if the picture wasn't on the altar, they couldn't oh, cross. Wow. Right. And over time, if people stop looking at your picture and stop seeing you, it would forget you. Oh. You would fade nothing. So That's deep. Right. So there was a song. One of the songs movie was called Remember Me. So it was always about keeping these pictures and keeping these things close to you to keep your mm -hmm. keep these people's spirit alive on the other side. Mm -hmm. Now we can you compare it to T-shirt culture. T-shirt culture, right. And you're talking about people either being gone, you know, from, from the physical playing things or being gone behind bars. Like, maintaining a memory of these people keeps them alive. It does. In certain ways, like, people behind bars, like, free my homie, and you know, you're talking to him, you know what I mean? He's putting money on his books, you're keeping him alive that way. So yeah. when he comes out, like, people are like, oh, man, what's up? I missed you. And they feel good at being embraced by their people versus, you know, Someone who may have passed, yeah. but they keep their memory alive, keeps their community alive, family alive, things like that. Yeah, you're so. right. And one one thing, prison definitely is is a crazy concept because like one thing that you gotta realize is that like time just moves forward, mm -hmm. and they're just standing still in there. You know what I'm saying? Like so, mm -hmm. like somebody might go to prison at the age of twenty. And just being there for ten, even five years, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you gotta re like the way that the world is progressing now. Like, you really have to just like come out, and it's a whole new world. Like, we're talking about Philly being different um, from three years ago, mm -hmm. like when we were staying here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just looked at, I passed by a corner where we shot like the opening shot, the flags. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That corner didn't even look like that. Like. There's a bunch of construction going on right now. Like mm -hmm. it didn't even look like that three years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, for, imagine for a person to go in to prison as like a as an adolescent and to come out a man, but they haven't grown up with this world during that time. It's it's like you got to make an adjustment. So it's just a crazy concept in itself. You know, if if you're forgotten, you know, like you're saying, you. You don't have anybody keeping you up to date with these things. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't even know what's going on with like the people who are supposedly close to you and, and things of that nature. So it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. Because it reminds me of, uh, have you ever seen uh, Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. So you know how Morgan Freeman's character was in it since he was a buck. Yeah. He got, he got out of jail and he didn't know what to do. No, he was in the, he came up, you know, uh, he was bagging groceries. Yeah. And he raised his hand. Hey, boss, gave us the bathroom. And dude was like, you don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom. You just go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because the way he just asked was like, boss, it was like, y'all, man. But I can see how it is. Like, you, like you're being stuck in a time capsule. Yeah. It's really like you're almost in a time you capsule. Know, like, you, got, you got calls now? 
elevators. You know it's, what I'm saying? It's the, and not to say that, you know, like, nobody should be punished for, like, doing crazy things, but, you know, or doing violent crimes or, or what have you. It, but it's just, like, a very interesting way to deal with people doing violent things, like, that this is the only solution. Like, we're going to just isolate them mm-hmm. and put them around a, a whole bunch of other people that are doing the same things as them. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to be like, all right, come back to society and you're all good. It's like, it's, that's, it doesn't really make any sense. And then we just take away all their rights, too, after that. Voting and things of that nature. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's weird. But here's the ill part about it. You know, there's like these places are called, like, you know, uh, correctional facilities. Yeah. They're going into, you know, rehabilitate, rehabilitate them for society's sake. But when they come out, they come out even worse than before. Like, the recidivism rates are, like, are high because these cats go in and come out back to what they know. Yeah. Like you said, they come out like, yo, cage open, go back out there and do something. Yeah. And they wind up doing the same thing they got them locked up before. And it's Cause they got, cause they got less, cause they got less options than they did, you know, before they went in. Probably, you know what I'm saying. You, mm-hmm. you got that mark on you as a convicted felon, and then you don't have like, I don't know. People don't want to take chances on you. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta just go back to what you know. But you know, that's that's America. America's it's it's like a paradox at times. So things don't always make sense. Now let's shift focusing on what we just or we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Now, with you being a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and for other filmmakers out there, what do you think your responsibilities are in a world like this when it comes to telling these stories? Um, so I just try to try to I try to talk about things that I know, things that affect me. I try to have a piece of myself like. And, and every character um and i think when you do that you can talk about the issues of the world because you yourself are facing those issues if if you're you know staying as aware as you can so my next film is actually about dealing with trauma and um i guess learning how to seek help um and dealing with you know different versions of love so it's, it's about two it's about two drug addicts uh, that are in love and one of them is trying to he's trying to stop and the other you know they want to get deeper into it yeah so you know and the reason why they started doing drugs was you know because they're dealing with the trauma mm-hmm. yeah wow, so it's a serious serious topic when that one yeah 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 good I like that the fact that you're not, as a young filmmaker, right? Mm-hmm. I like that you're not going for the easy routes. You yeah. know, like you're going for films like with dark undertones, but they have they have a meaning on a broader scale. Yeah, because I feel like both films speak on the human condition. Man, bro, that word in itself, man, yo, human condition. Yo, you you a fed dog? The film? No, no, I'm saying, are you a fed? Cause how fed. the, the no, human, no. bro? That's it's it's crazy because that's what I describe myself as a filmmaker. Like I say that I want to make films that document the human condition. Like that's in my bio. 
Word. Oh, shit. The bio that I send to people. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's important to just talk about topics that speak to people's humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point, it doesn't really matter what this like who the story is about. It doesn't matter if the characters are black. It doesn't matter if they're white. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter um, if they are whatever. You know, I can. I can I can talk about the real things that humans deal with. And then on a human level, you know, me being a black man, obviously I'm gonna try to tell it from the black perspective. But on a human level, people, you know, who aren't black should be able to understand, relate, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, they'll leave the theater or wherever they're viewing it, um, with like a little more empathy and understanding for like what we go through you know so it's kind of like it's it's not like reverse psychology but it's just like breaking things down mm-hmm. in a way that everybody can understand so they can have more understanding you know for the black experience you know what i'm saying indeed yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why we have such a disconnect on a cultural level yeah is that people just refuse to be empathetic. Yeah. You know, because like, or have compassion. Because people always tend to think, yo, it's your problem. Yeah. It's their problem. It's not mine. But if you peep game, like, you know, drugs have affected the black communities for, for decades. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Crack hit, there's such a, a number on us. You know, even beforehand, like, People were shooting up with heroin, like you know, yeah, famous yeah. Jasmine since he was in heroin and the whole nine, right? Yeah. But then I, I, I realized as of late, like things started to hit the mainstream when other people were being affected, like when mm-hmm. heroin popping off or the opioid crisis, yeah, going off. Oh man, what's going on here? But I'm like these things have been happening for the longest time. America has a has a heroin epidemic going on right now, mm-hmm. but. You know, it's it's not gonna it's not being reported on as heavily because it's not black. Yes, indeed. Um, and you know there there are a lot of there are a lot of people who are addicted to prescription drugs right now. You know what I'm saying? And not even talking about like the things that we see like on social media, like we see all the you know the young rappers mm-hmm. and they're you know talking about doing all these prescription drugs. But you know there there are places. In America, like places like in little small towns like in uh, West Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, when the whole town might be addicted to prescription drugs, you know what I'm saying, or or damn near the whole town, and it's not being reported on just because it's it's not black, it's not in the it's 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 not in the mainstream, you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't support that narrative of oh this is you know a black problem or this is a uh, what you would view as a poor inner city problem, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't fit that narrative, so it's not being reported on. But these things happen, you know, to all of us, like, and and it affects all of us in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. So, because it goes back to the idea that we are all connected, we all, yeah. Like, and that's the thing I like about the films, because like the films, when I watched Print Shop last night. Like I didn't, you know. Sometimes you can watch a film, and you can tell it's just for a certain audience, yeah. Some demographic. I didn't feel like with this one. Yeah. So like you can be from whatever walk of life, you can get a, an uh, 
like a, a bird's eye view into another person's world, and you can appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. So I mean, it's I tend to think about like a lot of films that I watched in the past. I think what makes a film a great film is the universal appeal, without trying to force the button. You know, yeah. sometimes people make films and try to include everybody and everything, but it does too much. Nah, it wasn't. We definitely weren't trying to include every. You know, we we're this is authentic. We we're trying to make it about North Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, about what we went through. You know, trying to make it out, and you know, at the same time, if if you're a human mm-hmm. and you want to understand, then you will, and you're gonna get. You're gonna get something from you know your own perspective, your own walk of life, like you said. Right. So, yeah, that's that's definitely the goal with with every film moving forward. You know, until I don't know, I'm I'm not a guy who's like really into like comedy and stuff like that too much. Like I like comedy and especially like on the like Chappelle show level, like when it's really talking about something. Yeah, yeah. yeah when it's you know, but. I guess all comedy is talking about something, but you know, there are things that can relate a little bit more. So I I don't think that I would, you know, personally be making a film mm. like that, you know, moving forward. I think I want to talk about the serious issues. And not to say print shop's not funny, there were funny moments. Yeah, in it, it was, yeah. But those are like naturally funny, you know, it's like that that's just a part of like life. Like life is not just like all dark. You know, mm-hmm. there are some light moments, you know. And honestly, I feel it. Print Shop isn't really a dark film, but it does, like, have, like, a lot of, like, dark moments. Like, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. It's 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 weird that it turned. But I, I feel like it's just a direct reflection of, like, what you would see in someone's day-to-day life. So, that's why it turns out like that. Right. Oh, man. It was definitely... Uh Thank you. What was all about it? And I'm looking forward to see what else you have up, up your sleeve with your films. Because I feel like I like to, like I, I enjoy seeing young cats out here yeah. doing it on a creative level. Yeah. And telling these stories and sharing their experiences. Yeah. Because again, you know how the, how the world is. It's like media tends to take an image, no matter how perverse it is. Yeah. And run with it. And act as if that's all there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday outside of a store, and I was like, "It's a joke when someone says I love black people, but I hate niggas." Right? Yeah, yeah. But I was talking to a buddy of mine last night, but like, you know what? I'm like, well, niggas need love too, bro. <laughs> you know? That's a good one. Niggas need love too because you think about it. Yeah, like a lot of these cats who we like, man. We that's a good one. Rock with these cats like that, but a lot of them. We want to tend to understand that a lot of us have, we're afforded the luxury of having love in our households. Privilege. Privilege of having like a, you know, parents that love this, you know, two-parent household or even just like a single parent that actually showed us the right way to be. Yeah. You know, you got cats out here who never experienced that love and they're just out here doing whatever, whatever because- And you can see it. You can see it, you know? That's why I'm like, it was like you got to take them take to perspective like in the back of your mind. It's like- what, what made them that way? Right, what made them that way? It's definitely a lack of love. Because in order for you to have if have a respect for life, you gotta know what love is. Yeah. You gotta know what love is in your life, you have to have to experience it. Nah, I know for sure. You know what I'm saying? Nah, so, yeah. It's like I mean, like you just said, I grew up in a single parent household, you know, but my mom definitely went above and beyond, you know what I'm saying? So 
it and it definitely it definitely matters. Like you could be from a two parent household and both your parents, you know, are right. are absent. You know, they not there. Mm-hmm. Or, or you could be from uh, a single parent household where you get nothing but love. You know what I'm saying? So and it just it matters. You know, just somebody even telling you, you know, that they have expectations of you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Is is very big. Or just somebody taking an interest in whatever you're interested in, you know. I, I work with kids um and in Harlem in the Bronx, teach them mobile media. Um and basically what I notice about a lot of them is that they just really just want you to pay attention to them. Like if they're if there's if there's something that they're interested in, they wanna show you. You know what I'm saying? And uh probably nine times out of ten, it's really worth paying attention to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not necessarily just acting out. It's it's because they want you to, to come and give them that individual, you know, attention. Hey, what are you doing? What did you do um this past week? Did you did you record a song in the studio? Did you think about the video that we shot last week? You know, things like that. Like they they really they really need that, and I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't know about all their lives at home. I try to keep it all about, you know, just the art and the work that we're doing. But I could imagine that, you know, some of them might not get that attention at home. So I don't. It's it's scary. It's it's scary because, you know, you you see like, you you see kids with so much potential. You know, you don't want it to go to waste. But at the same time, it's kind of beautiful. Just to know it's so much talent in the hood, bro. Like, it's so much talent in the hood, man. Yes, and I'm glad you said that because it goes full circle back to your film. Yeah. Because, again, like, seeing all those cats in your film, right? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I'm covered in tattoos. I know some people have their certain uh, aversions to people who are heavily tattooed. But you have tattoos on your face. Mm Mm-hmm. You look at Fry, Fry has tattoos on his face. Mm Mm-hmm. Some people might be like, don't know how to approach him. Yeah. But if we see him on film, you know he's a talented guy. You know what I'm saying? People who are, and that's the thing, people have to go beyond, like, just go beyond the the surface. Mm-hmm. Plus, it comes down to the hood, because the hood, man, is just diamonds in the rough all over the place. Yeah. Great artists. Like, even some, like. All it takes is opportunity. That's it. And I, that word is so opportunity is a privilege yes and everybody gets it man yeah everybody gets it that's why i like i look at certain people there's a line in your film i can remember now is ish Mm -hmm. his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and his homie what's his homie's name uh raheem raheem yeah he he okay yeah so he and ish are getting into it because you know the spot's getting hot right now because he took he, he did something he's more supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get, get the plot out yet because yeah. people got to watch the film. Yeah. And so Heem and Ish go head to head. And there's a moment where he tells him, like, yo, man, you got all this talent and you're just wasting it away. And his boy tells him, like, yo, what, what, you, what you want me to do? I'm out. You think I want to do this? Right? And they have this, this head to head. And He said that comedy shit is cool, but it's just right. a hobby. Right. Yeah. I'm out here trying to do my thing. I come from a long line of drug dealers and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but you have, but but 
that there is a common conversation in these neighborhoods. Yeah. Because these cats, because uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of rappers say, yo, man, I wasn't taking this rapping seriously, man. I was just doing it on the side. I was still on the streets, busting this and that, doing this and that, you know, feeding myself, taking care of my family. Yeah, you get the opportunity. An opportunity to do it. Then it's like, you skyrocket. Because you look at like, almost all my favorite rappers overall in life mm-hmm. came from like, we're like damn near former drug dealers. Yeah. They go hove and big. Prime example. And they don't want to do it. Yeah. They trying to get out. Trying to get out, which is why like some people tend to glamorize it. I'm like, listen, what goes on, on the streets, it goes on, on the hood. Like you don't, you don't understand how dire those situations are for some of these people. You know, and like I see these keep like, yeah, I'm from the hood, G. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, you don't. And plus, if you really knew what went on there, you you wouldn't be so like so amped to say you were a part of that part of the system. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I love watching like. The interaction, because so many times people are like, yo, man, you got so much talent, man. What are you doing? I said, put no money in my pocket, man. Because they're not thinking about potentials. You can't think about, sometimes you can't even think about a week from now. You got to think about tomorrow. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, and if you can't think about a week from now, how you going to think about a year from now? You know what I'm saying? Facts. And, 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 and that in itself is literally a luxury, you know, to be able to, like, man, this is what I want to do a year from now. Okay, if I do this, you know, I could, you know, like, to, to have those thoughts to yourself, that's that's literally a luxury. And, and that's what sets apart, like, a, a lot of, like, a lot of, like, what goes go, what goes into, you know, uh, we see, you know, the wealth gap between black family, white family. It's like... Well, you know what I'm saying? White family might not got to deal with, like, all that goes into, you know, this, uh, we just talked about single-parent household, bringing home this one check, having to divide it up to to do all of this and do all of that, Mm -hmm. and then you might got a bad credit history, and then you still, you know, you paying off your loans, you paying off credit cards, you got to, or, and then you just trying to figure out, at the end of the day, like, okay, do I even pay that? Or, um, you know, do I pay for my rent? Do I pay for do I pay for my lights? You know, what do I need? You know what I'm saying? Or can I just get this food? Mm-hmm. You know, like, real thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people don't even have to... I, th- I was having a conversation with my homie the other day, and he was like, yo, it's crazy because white people go through the world, they don't even have to think about racism. You know what I'm saying? They don't even have to think about being oppressed. They don't even have to think about some some people go through the world and don't even have to think about the things that you need for survival, like food. Think about if every day you didn't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, or you didn't have to worry about, okay, are my kids safe today? You know what I'm saying? Do I got What's going on? You know, you don't even got to think about certain things. Like, um, it's 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 just. Think about how different your world would be. Think about how much time you 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 might have spent thinking about things that literally only had to do with survival rather than thinking about man, I really want to make films. Let me think about you know what the film what the story is that I want to tell and spending mm-hmm. you know uh, maybe not 100% but 90% of your time thinking about that, you know. 
or 90% of your time thinking about your main goal is, I want to go to college. This is the school that I want to go to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that's a, it's a luxury. It's kind of crazy, you know? Like, when you, get in, when you think about it like that, and it's really just opportunity that separates. That's it, man. That's it. Something you said earlier, it, make, it reminded me of my neighborhood. I, I st- my bad, I started rambling a little. No, 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 but it was on point because, like, <laughs> see, me in my neighborhood, my neighborhood is like is gentrified. Yeah, out the wazoo. Ain't no going back at this point. Yeah, it's changed, you know. Yeah. So people move into my neighborhood, they're oblivious. Mm-hmm. Like they'll walk down the street, facing their phones. Mm-hmm. Right, me, I can't afford that. If I'm walking down the street, my headphones on, the volume of my headphones is loud enough where I can enjoy the music and low enough where I can hear who's coming coming around me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I have these different things. Now, people in there where they walk around looking on their phones and just walking like doing all kinds of stuff because they they've never they never had to worry about being like caught out there. To mm-hmm. the point where somebody might take something from you, jack you, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they come around here, you know, with their Looking at their big phones, just walking down the street. Look at like they'll get like a probably about a foot, a not even a foot, maybe a foot away from you. Mm-hmm. Before they look up from their phone, be like, oh, they look back at your phone and keep walking. Mm-hmm. I'm like that. That in itself is a luxury and a privilege that you can have, you can be able to walk down the block and not worry about anybody doing anything to you. Yeah. And my neighborhood is like, for some odd reason, I'm always on guard because I because I had to be that way. Yeah. Even now, so like you carry it with you. I got to. Yeah. Even when I was going to school in Villanova on the main campus on Main Line, where like it was majority like not black up there, I was still on my guard. Yeah. College parties, people getting twisted, and getting mad drunk. Nope, not me, yo. Yeah. Because I, I, I couldn't do it because I'm always in survival mode. Yeah. Because it's all, it's all that, I, you know, all that I know based on the environment in which I'm from. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it'd be interesting to see a story like that being told where, like, the tables are turned like that. And, like, mm. now you got to rush out now. Mm. It's like, what's up from who? Like, <laughs> now, now you know. Man. Now you know. But that, again, is part of the human condition. And that, again, goes down to the point about not people not being empathetic and not understanding the other side of the game. Yeah. And like cause, and that's the thing about it as well. Everything changes. You know, stories like tables off often turn. Mm-hmm. Like many times in the films you watch, like you watch like Peyton Fool. Also I wanted to ask you the fact that he worked in like a laundry map. So that was not the Peyton yeah, Fool. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watch films, man, I pick up on things yeah, and say yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like but you notice how like in certain films, like you may be riding high at some point. Yeah. But there's gonna become come a point in the climax when it can all fall down. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's always an interesting thing to me when I see this art. Reflecting life and life, reflecting art back and forth. Yeah, yeah, man. So, no, you know, we've been when it comes down to filmmaking mm-hmm. and all that you've been doing. What is, what's, what's the impact or the impression? I should say that you want to leave behind. Hmm. I really well. Well, first and foremost, you know, I just want to be known as a storyteller. 
And I want to be known as a storyteller, you know, that represents, you know, us well. And I want to I want to make sure that everything, you know, even if it's a story that I might not, you know, myself have experienced, but I want to leave my my personal, you know, marks and feelings in whichever piece it is and I want it to be authentic, you know, from the ground up. So, you know, print shop is the perfect case of that. Not from Philly, you know, at all. But I was I feel like I was able to come here and tell this story because I was willing to, you know, to look, listen and, and just learn more about the city, more about the people that I know here, um, their experiences. And I want to be able to do that all the time. That's really important to me, you know, just because you see a lot of stories that are told, you know, about us. And, you know, they might not be by us, you know, so it loses, it loses, you know, just a part of that authenticity. And we don't want the wrong images to be you know, portrayed about us. Now and today in filmmaking, we're seeing a lot more film, black filmmakers, you know, being able to take the reins and take control of their narrative. So I definitely, you know, I feel like I'm coming up in the perfect time because we are afforded that luxury. But for, for a long time, you know, we we weren't. And, you know, it's just important that we keep it that way that we're telling the stories about us that we need to tell. We're portraying ourselves to the world the way, you know, that we need to. So that's that's just really important to me. You know, I hope that I can continue doing that with filmmaking. You know, filmmaking is is, is definitely my love and my passion, for real, so. Well, Mr. Jones, like, you, you're doing your thing, man. I'm, Thank you. I'm happy to see Young Cats doing it, man. You did a, you know, you made, it, made that film and, I just thoroughly enjoyed that you put the city in your in a position where a story could could be told mm-hmm. that, that could like shed light on certain things. You know? Yeah. So salute to you, bro. Thank you. And, and you know, and once once we you know start working on the because the goal is still to make a feature length version of it. You know, it would be wonderful just to bring it back here and go more in depth because there's a lot that we didn't touch on. You know, that we wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, that we just had to. Say well, you know, this is just, it doesn't fit into the story right now. But, you know, when we do the feature, we can still, you know, talk about these things. So, That'd be dope. definitely, yeah. Definitely. Hope, hope to see most of the cast return, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I know who's on top, though, you know, Ish, Fry, uh, and definitely Wara. Yeah. Not, not Ish, David, but yeah. Yeah, come back in there, man, especially... New York, paying my ass, man. I'm like, can't yeah. stand you, man. Oh, and then shout out to Bo too. Bo's he's he's a he's an amazing he's an amazing talent too. So he brought a very real feeling to the film as well. Yeah, yeah whoever I don't know if that was his. If he played the uh, the main the head goon. Yeah, Big O. Big O. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Robert Rand. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. He definitely was what he was. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I give him that too. Yeah, you know that's my that's my guy. I love that guy, man. I love that guy. Yeah. But so before we cut out, man, tell them how they can find you, um, and you know your last parting words and all that good stuff. Um. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Y N G Y H W H. That's Young Yahweh, Young God, 
whatever, however you want to say it. Yeah, get at me. And this concludes episode 29. 29 of Jones. 29 of the Weird is a New Black Show. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next week. Peace.